welcome to Blue Color Love, the Starflyer 59 Retrospective. My name is Samuel, so put the kids in the basement, get the guards to close all the doors. And my name is Aaron, and we cried in the waiting room. And we cried in the waiting room. Welcome, guys. Welcome to um, the... The, the podcast where we're inching closer and closer to present time and yeah. um, how old I feel about it all. You're going to feel older about it after this podcast, probably. This episode. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's kind of Jason's effect on you. you. Just He feels old. The world feels old. You feel old by listening to him, you know. And then the themes on this album age me like five <laughs> years. Yeah. <laughs> So tonight we're reviewing um, I I am a CEO. Though if you look at the way it's like all scrunched out, you're like I'm a CEO. I am a CEO because I when I first saw I'm this a- and we'll get into it. Well, I'm Maceo um, Parker, the famous jazz um, um, trumpeter. Um, I saw this when I first I was like I. Maceo? Like, I was like, this is like, that can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Jason's probably not um, a Maceo Parker fan. <laughs> so this album was released in 2013. It was the first Starfire, like, official LP, not like any of the side stuff, but the first, like, official LP not released on Tooth & Nail Records. Well, all the, the there was instrumentals released on um, CD and cassette that were released in 2012, I believe, because this was a Kickstarter, if I remember, and those came out before the vinyl. I might be wrong, but I think that's right. <laughs> so um, this album has Stephen Dale and Trey Manning returning on bass and drums, respectively. Uh, we also have Andy Prickett and T.W. Walsh on additional guitars. And I believe T.W. Walsh handles the mastering of the album. And I'll talk about that some as we get through it. So, yeah, I am a CEO. Um, I know this is this is an album that I think a lot of people missed because there was such a wide divide against I am uh, or the changing of the guard. So I think a lot of people kind of missed out on this album or just kind of ignored it when it came out. Um, I personally, I was always intrigued by the cover art. I just, I don't know, just an old man saying in, in the old looking building. It just, I was always intrigued by that. I wonder, did you know who that old man is, perchance, Jason? Jason? I wish I was Jason. <laughs> <laughs> like, how he feels. <laughs> Uh, uh, when I first saw it, I, from, like, dialing and stuff, like, I was like, is this a random man, or is that Jason's dad? Like, I, like, I wasn't sure, but I, I, that was my initial thought, was maybe it is, which it is, obviously. It is his dad? I believe so. Okay, that, that makes sense. I just wasn't sure if it was him or not. Even has that same grumpy Jason face. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I remember listening to this album a few years back, you know, just in kind of passing, I listened to it. And I was like, oh, I'm enjoying what I hear. But I never, I haven't taken a deep dive until this album review. So, 
That's uh, my previous history with this. Well, mine, I think what you described, um, you, you nailed it. Um, I missed this album because I think I, last, um, episode we talked about the, my varied and evolved relationship with, um, the Change of the Guard album. So after that, I was just like, I guess this, I'm done. Just like with Prince, when, you know, there's a point after Chaos and Disorder where he's just like, you know what? I'm taking a break. He's lost the plot. I'm done. And so I missed this. I missed the next one we're going to do. And I missed the one after that. So when I came in on this, I believe it was actually, you know, right before the Miami EP was released. So, um, and I, and I knew that. So I ordered this and I got this after the Kickstarter stuff. And I guess I missed all those little extras that you got handwritten lyrics on this other stuff. Um, from Jason. I was able to get a copy of the cassette of the instrumentals, which is pretty cool. Um, like a year or two ago. Um, but yeah. And so, so what was that? Um, Miami was 20, help me out, Sam, 2019 before the pandemic. Was that right? Miami? Uh, no, Miami hit. Yeah. Uh, let me think. No, 2020, 2019. No, it was 2020 because so, I was living in this house and Miami came out. Okay, whatever. So the year that, that Miami came, I got this a few um, months or weeks before because I was like, okay, I'm, I actually discovered the Star Type of the United fan group right before that, and that's when I felt Miami. And then I was like, oh, I'm a CEO, and so I got this one. And listen, and so I only have like this. This is and this is also the first Starfire Fifty Nine album that I didn't buy when it first. Well, um. Post Americana because I missed the first two because I didn't even know the band existed. But since Americana, this is the first Starfly or Jason related project that I didn't buy when it was first released. So there's that too. All right. Well, let's go ahead. Let's just uh, knock this out. We have no special guests tonight, no gimmicks. So we're just going to knock this out and um, see if we take longer in the album, which has a pretty short runtime. It's like uh, 38 minutes, I think. Probably that sounds about right. It's a fairly short runtime album. Let's see here. It's a 33 minute album. So that means this will be a two hour episode. Sorry, guys. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) All right, let's kick things off with a title track. Which have we ever opened with a title track before? I don't think we have. No. So. No. We're yeah. kicking off the title track. This is a first. Um, I am a CEO, or um, I'm ACO. <laughs> or I'm, I'm a Kako. I'm Akio. Yamiko. Yamiko. So, this may be the most chill intro we've ever had from a Starfire record. Like, most of the time, the, the you know, you have like underneath. Or even um, why am I why am I blanking on these other intros? Um, Blue collar love. Yeah. Um, and they're all like upbeat and like kind of big epic openers. Yeah. This one not so much. It's very chill, um, much moodier and more atmospheric than the past couple albums. Like um, and. I'll talk about, like, some of the textures and stuff aren't there from, like, Stylem or from uh, Painting Guard, but there is the, the guitar itself 
feels moodier. Um, so I, I'm overall feeling this opening, even though it's different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also appreciate the message of the song, picking up nicely um, from the close of the last album. The last album, we're like, okay, our youthful dreams are dead. We're never going to be a rock star. You know, um, life is all vanity. Moving forward. Now we're like, hey, I'm an adult, and everything's not as black and white as I would have once thought. And um, I, I mean, I know, like, the black and white also probably reference, like, driving down a road and you have the lines in the middle of the road and such. But I think also just as a metaphor for realizing, hey, everything's not as easy to figure out as I thought it would be. Um, yeah. It's a nice way to kind of open up this album of kind of dealing with being an adult, essentially. So, yeah. One thing I will say before I get into this, like, overall, I felt like this album, if it was, like, a side project between Jason and Terry Taylor, like, with Terry Taylor's production, the co-vocals, with his musicianship, I think this would have been a far better album. And and to me, it doesn't feel like a Starfire album overall. It feels like a side project. And so it's really hard for me to... It reconciles because the lyrics, and I'll say, I'll just say this up front. These are Jerry, Jason's best lyrics. There's maybe one or two cryptic lyrics. They're very personal, very insightful, very poetic, and the music kind of lets the lyrics down a little bit. So that's just overall. Anyway, um, so I'm I'm ACO, <laughs> the first track. Um, lyrically, um. The, and, I, and I really like this, like, um, when you, when you're in charge of things, whether it be like a household as a, a as a, a parent or being a leader of a business CEO or, you know, just a leader in some situation, you, you, you would love to see things as black and white, but you can't do that. And, and Jason at this point, obviously, is the CEO of, of a trucking company. There are things that you have to consider between right and wrong. Like, you have to consider, like, you know, yes, I could pay my, my employees more money, but, that's going to take away from my from my family's salary, which means we can't afford certain things and everything. And so is it right to pay them more? Yeah, sure. But how's that going to affect me? And then if I go and drive and do this job, you know, it's going to get my family more money. But that's going to take away from me missing my son or daughter, wife, this or that or another. So right and wrong isn't the only consideration, you know. And, um, you know, I'm, and, and I was like, wow, this is a crazy way to open an album. And like I have I know somebody who's like has a dog walking company and they talk about this struggle, too, about like paying people livable wages, but at the same time have enough money where they can live, too. You know, because most people think, oh, you own a business, you're a CEO, that you're rich, you have a lot of money. That's not always the case. And most small businesses in America, they end up making just as much as much as a normal blue collar worker. So. I was, it was really, you know, interesting that Jason took that on. Um, obviously, I mean, he only writes what he knows, so I guess it's not that, interesting, not that surprising. Um, and then the line about, you know, you know, when you're a leader, like at the end, you know, you still don't have control, you know, um, you can sell across the sea, you can climb the highest peak, you could build it on your own, but you're still not in control because if you're a leader, you still have to consider the people you're leading. You just can't do what you want. I mean, if you're trying to be a good leader. Anyway, um, and I think Jason, being who he is, he would probably care about his employees. Um, this is my 10th favorite song overall. Um, <laughs> I mean, hey, they all can't be great. Two stars um, for this song. 
um, musically, um, it's mid tempo and subdued. Like you said, very chill song. Um, really weird opener, but at the one minute 27 mark, we get some of that, um, energetic guitar kick licks. We get more and during the outro, nothing more to say about the music. It's just a meh opener. Yeah. Um, and I, I appreciate, I think as you were talking about the lyrics, I think it's worth noting, um, even when Jason's a CEO, like a CEO, you think that's a white collar job. He still sounds so blue collar. <laughs> like, cause it is, because of misconceptions. People think that every CEO is like, you know, Bill Gates. No, most are still blue collar. Like people who own like factories, little stores, you know, food franchises, like Chick-fil-A's and stuff, you know, you're still blue collar. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So tell me about Bicycle Rider. And is it at all related to the Queen song? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, and before I go on, I will say this. Um, there are no background vocals that I heard, if I remember correctly, in this whole album, which is a huge bummer. So anyway. Bicycle Rider, three and a half stars. The percussion during the intro is vibrant and catchy. Um, sounds got like a, bo- a bongo vibe going to it, bongo drums vibe to it, um, which is a great change up from the first song. Um, you like wake up and it's like, okay, um, cause I was kind of semi turned off from the first song. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm into this song. The rhythms on the song are, um, again, like I said, far superior to the first one. Um, it, this is, I mean, I kind of sway and dance to this song. Kind of reminds me of Coconut Trees from the last album, and you guys know I really love that song. And the harmonica at the end, man, come on. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, lyrically, you know, Jason's not taking walks down the highway anymore. He's riding a motorcycle when he feels the mess, and instead of being messed up over a girl, he's messed up over having to make a move. And, um, you know, he, there's a little reference about, I'm assuming, you know, those with the seminaries are reference to his um, brother, Ronnie, who's obviously a minister now. Um, let's see. And then that line about your family who hasn't been close, you know, it's like, oh, wow. You know, like as you get older and you have your own families, one becomes CEO and becomes a pastor and one does whatever, you kind of grow apart. You know, it's just like a, a song of nostalgia wanting things to be how they were before. Um, you know, and then that one line, um, loads that are too hard to carry. Um, like, yeah, you know, like, you know, we, we put on people things that, you know, like parents or, you know, siblings who seem to be, have it all together and who are the more responsible ones. So we feel like we can just depend on them all the time without checking on them. And real it's helping them with what they're going on because this is somebody who appears to be strong and doing well doesn't mean they are. And and then one of his best lines: "Blessings come by the black and blue." Like, wow, <laughs> that is so. I mean, and it's so true. Like in um luxury, the band has a um line from a song. I know other Cage Bird sings. And then, um, Lee Bozeman sings, just when I lost it all, I gained everything. Sometimes the worst thing to happen to you is a blessing. And blessings come from the black of, black and blue of the daily lights beating you down and grinding you down. Just amazing. And this is my fourth favorite song in this album. What do you think, Sam? Um, 
So this song, the bongos, give me like changing a guard vibe. Mm-hmm. I think the it's a holdover from that album. Um, I'm really appreciating Trey Manny's drums here. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I think his drumming is throughout the one album is really good, but on this song in particular, it's hitting the mark. Um, once again, continue with a really chill vibe, complete with harmonica. Um, the the chill vibe and the harmonica and talking about riding your bike to forget your troubles makes the fa- song feel like nostalgic and like you know how there's certain movies or there's certain books or songs that feel nostalgic without actually being nostalgic like you had no direct relation to them in your childhood but they remind mm-hmm. you regardless and they make you nostalgic for things maybe that never actually happened to you or did or similar etc that's how mm-hmm. this song kind of feel um i definitely used to ride my bike around the back roads a lot growing up um just to get out you, of the house. You will never catch me on a motorcycle. I don't trust people enough to not be killed. <laughs> no, like an actual bicycle. Oh, okay. Well, kind of that, too. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love riding my bicycle. <laughs> um, so, throughout it all, I appreciate the last line. I'll rest my head because God is good. Um, so, I was just listening to a, a sermon on Sunday where they were t- the, the preacher was talking about Habakkuk. And, you know, Habakkuk's whole entire theme is kind of like, God, come and fix this mess. God comes and fixes the mess. Oh, now everything is crap. I guess God's still good, though. <laughs> and um, it's just the the idea of even when you feel like life is going crazy, you know, um, and, and in Habakkuk's case, his, his people were coming and taken into captivity. Um but even when things are going crazy and going bad, going to crap, that doesn't make God any less good just because your life is going bad at the moment. Um, and I think that's just a, a really good sentiment to carry. Mm-hmm. Or um, just because you're not as close to your family or you're not as young and carefree as you used to be, that doesn't make God any less good because you're in a different place in your life. Yeah. So that's my thoughts on this song. It's a, it's a pretty good song. I think I think I like it better than the opener. Of course, everybody does. <laughs> so, um, all right, let's keep going here, trucking along. Um, is this all there is? Uh, to me, this feels like Jason's take on Bob Dylan. Um, in fact, this one, our album, kind of feels like his take on Bob Dylan a little bit. Um, there are some gorgeous acoustic guitars here. I'm always happy to hear acoustic guitars from Jason. And once again, we get some more harmonica. I think. I don't. Does he ever play harmonica outside this album? I I think there's some. Maybe everybody makes mistakes. I think there's some. Oh yeah, with the ordinary. With the ordinary, I think there's a harmonica in there, okay. or a guitar note. But I think I'm pretty sure there's been a harmonica somewhere. <laughs> um, but not as much. This album has a no, lot not as much. Album. No, not as much. Yeah, not as much. No, yeah, this is the most. Yes, absolutely. Uh. <laughs> picks up right where the last couple songs left off thematically with the realization that being a responsible adult really sucks sometimes who knew (laughs) um but man it hits us all like you know for some people it hits you at 25 for others it hits you at 40 you're just like oh i'm an adult now i have to be responsible and you know in jason's case here 
I'm now not only responsible for my family, I'm responsible for other people's families because I got to make sure they get paid. This sucks. <laughs> um, and I love this line in here. So we toast and we drink to the lies. Say better next year. <laughs> like, it's so cynical and so bitter sounding, but so relatable. <laughs> like, yeah, it's going to get better next year. No, no, it's not. <laughs> I just, I, I think we all relate to that sometimes. Um, I love the little keys slash analog sounding bridge around two minutes and 30 seconds, too. I, I think it's just an analog keyboard, but it sounds so good and, like, gives it – I wish there were more of that analog keyboard in this. It would have given it more of a – because the Wonder album has a sort of vintage feel to it. Yeah. But it would have given it that little extra pizzazz, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on this. Okay. Well, I, I wouldn't say this is Jason's take on Bob Marley. I'd say this is more – Jason's take on indie country rock. Like, it's just, if he had a more of a Johnny Cash vocal delivery, this would be classified as country rock, I think, and would have blown up the country charts. But um, I called the song, uh, first of all, this is my second favorite song in this album. It's amazing. I call this Emo Dad Flyer 59. And I don't think that Jason's saying here that life sucks, you know. I think what he's doing is he's reflecting on life because he's at this point, like in his forties, um, my age right now. And just like I do <laughs> being a dad, being in charge of things, responsible for people's lives and well-being. Um, it's not that life sucks. It's like, so you grow up, you, you're born as a child, you get, you know, you go through life, make friends, you make commitments, you get a job. And then you get to this point and like, is this all there is just taking care of people like having daily life, doing laundry, you know, and I think this is such a, and I'm just mentioning this in multiple songs. It's a very stoic song. It's like, it's a very real, unvarnished, brass knuckles look on life. It's like, it's all life is just responsibilities and showing up and just making sure that, you know, the people who you're responsible for are taken care of. Is that all this is? Is there any beauty? Is there any magic? Where's the childhood wide-eyed joy that we used to have? You know, I think that's more of what he's saying here. And so we toast, like you said, to the lies and say better next year. I don't think he's saying that life sucks. Keep going. It's just like, because each year you want something magical. You make, you want something, a mountaintop experience. And most days in life are just meh. Like if, when you, at the end of the day, if you think of your life right now, you can remember probably like 10 days in your life right now. The rest, you know, some good, some bad, but the rest you're like, eh, what'd you do May 31st, 2012? I don't know. Unless you did something crazy, like almost died or got married, you're not going to remember that. And so I think that's what he's saying here. And it's not going to get better because this is all there is. It's just responsibility and taking care of each other. It's, you know, that's a very stoic approach to this song. And when Jason talks about, you know, he's wondering about like the people who came before. I think about that too. Like I live in Virginia and like I think about, you know, like there's a lot of history around here, you know, like Civil War. Revolutionary War, and like you know, I see a tree. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, black people got hung from that tree, you know. Like it is just like just that pondering of like, is this all there is, you know? Like, not just the responsibilities, but then trying to connect with the past because, I mean, if you study history, very little has changed in thousands of years. Just the technology has really, you know. We're dealing with the same problems. Like he talks about the rising cost of living. We're dealing with that. People in the Middle Ages dealt with that. 
you know. So, but anyway, love the musical vibe of the song and more harmonica. <laughs> love it. And like I said, indie indie rock, indie country rock profession. Um, you mentioned the breakdown of the keyboard too with the guitars and the keyboards duetting together, mes- very mesmerizing. Four stars. That's what I think about it. Open hand, Sam. What do you think? Um. So, a wonderful psychedelic Western guitar opening. Um, I wish we would have got more psychedelic Western guitar in this album, honestly. <laughs> um. So, the way the verses play out and the brooding music booms through off the track, I'm feeling like we're supposed to be like apocalypse vibes here. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the government's coming for you. Is this a, you know, um, the government's and, never coming for us. <laughs> <laughs> there the we go. The song seems to be, you were given something free, but nothing in life is really free. And now you have to pay the pet piper or run for your life. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the, the lyrical theme I'm getting. And like, like I said, the music just backs up this whole entire running for your life. You're scared. Everything's burning around you. And I'm like, is this just Jason's old man rant against like government intervention and public affairs that lead to more controlling government and higher taxes? <laughs> so is this like, is this a rant against taxes? Um, because like, I'm just reminded of, um, like in the 19, I don't know, I'm trying to think, 1930s, I think, uh, mm-hmm. the government started subsidizing farmers, right? Yeah. To, uh, um, help their farms keep going and help the economy keep moving. Well, it eventually became because the government subsidized the farms so much, they just gained more and more control over that. And it led to bigger government control over everything. And eventually, you know, farms started shutting down as they had to pay their taxes and yada, 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 yada. Um, and so the the cautionary tale some people take from that is don't let the government in at all. Just deal with it yourself. And is that is that what this song is about? I don't know. Mm, that's a take. So, yeah, that's okay. my song. Okay. Well... Probably not. I don't think Jason is the type of guy to worry about tax and farm subsidies. Um, um, for me, I think, um, lyrically, the course, cause no one gives in, yes, I understand, cause no one gives you nothing without open hands, without a return, it's buried in sin, cause no one gives you nothing without open hands. I think that's a reference, and there's a few references to Matthew, the book of Matthew 13, 44, 46, where Jesus talks about the buried talent, you know, the kingdom of God is like the person who digs in the land, and finds treasure, then he buys a little land, and he talks about, then if you get the talent, you bury it and don't get it, then it's worthless. So I think here is saying that, let me back up. Okay, so I think this seems like, to me, the mental journey that the narrator, Jason, went through in the first um, song about the um, about the move out to, you know, to the coast, you know, they're moving. And I think that what he's talking about is that, you know, you know, God has given us these things and sometimes you're in a place where you feel comfortable or whatever, but you know, you got to take your talent and use it somewhere else. And so that's what I took it. And that, that's, that's a burden. It hurts because you get comfortable and now you're being called to do something else. You know, cause God, <clears throat> you know, he gives us stuff, but you know, they're, 
His hands are open. He wants something in return. You got to love. You got to be graceful to other people. You got to use your talents to further the kingdom and take care of people. So I, that's how I took it um, lyrically. And this is my third that favorite song. That makes And this is my third favorite. You wrote this review what? I wrote this review at 3 a.m. So <laughs> In a fever dream. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you when I wrote mine, but anyway, <laughs> but yeah, so, um, third favorite song, um, three and a half stars. Um, and I'm with you. I love the om- ominous, moody tone of the song. The music's still gothic and brutal, like you said. Um, and it matches the lyrical context perfectly. Strong eighties, dark wave, sonic vibe here. Um, yeah, I wish, yeah, I, I like it when Jason goes moody like this. Um, really good song. Want me to take Father John next? Give me Father John. All right. Um, two and a half stars. Love the harmonica, of course. Give me a more of this harmonica flyer, 59. <laughs> and the breakdown with the warbly guitars at 343 are amazing. Um, the um, last verse, I think, in the song is really the um, crux of what's happening in the song, obviously, besides, excuse me, obviously besides is a song about <laughs> Jason's dad and him missing him. Um, so if I try, how much would it cost? Don't want to lose my soul. Don't want to lose my sleep. It's a tricky thing somehow, sometimes to believe. Life's not all, life's not that long. Then it's gone. It's gone. So move on. And so, you know, again, Matthew um, um, 16, 26, what does it profit a man to gain his to gain the world and lose his soul? Lose his soul, and I think maybe you know that's what someone says. So if I try, how much would it cost to keep you know keep his soul, keep his soul, and the anxiety of trying to you know be in this world but not of this world to be you know godly but at the same time take care of your family. There's an anxiety there, and it causes you stress and it'll make you lose sleep. You know. That's how I took this. And the last line, again, so stoic. It's so unpoetic and very painfully poetic at the same time. Life's not long. Then it's gone. Then it's gone. So move on. It's like life's not as long as you think, you know. And so we it, – it, but it is. It seems like it. But when you're in your – and I, I know he's on his deathbed, but maybe he had a conversation with his dad. But when you're in your deathbed, if you're lucky enough to get to that point, Realize it's not that long, and then you realize, wow, my life's gone. This is it. Is this all there is? So move on, because you know the sun's gonna keep spinning, whether you're in it or not. My eighth favorite song in this album. What do you think, Sam? I have diverging opinions because this might be one of my favorite song on the album, but it's probably my second favorite song. Bless your heart. I thought you were going to avoid it tonight, but alas, no. Um, so once again, I'm really digging the harmonica. We, we talked mm-hmm. about this. Great harmonica mm-hmm. this album. Like, this is the harmonica. Yes. Harmonica uh, Flyer 59. <laughs> blues Flyer? Oh, no, Blues Flyer was... Uh, <laughs> blues <Orchestra>. Traveler 59. <laughs> um. So some nice keys on this. Um, I think uh, the so um, T.W. Walsh is only credited with additional guitar, but I bet you he did some of the keys in this album too, because that's kind of his thing as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonderful bass work from Dale. 
I'm loving mm-hmm. the, the bass work on this album, on this song in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what really hit me about this song, though, is the lyrics. Um, obviously, a song about his dad. Mm-hmm. I love this. I love the line where he, like he asked for asked his dad for his advice. Mm-hmm. The line goes, "Son, I can't help you anymore. There's always going to be a storm." Mm-hmm. And this hits two ways. One, you know, my dad's not here anymore to give me advice. Like that's just he's gone now. He can't. He's can't be here to help me. Um, the other part of that though is, um, I may have said it on this podcast before. I'd be surprised if I hadn't. Uh, my personal philosophy on life is you're always, and I stole this from someone else, but you're always um, either getting ready to go into a storm in the middle of a storm or coming out of a storm. That's just the cycle of life. And this lines up perfectly with, you know, you're always going to be dealing with something. Sometimes it'll be slightly less something, sometimes it'll be more, but something's always going to be happening. The storms are always going to be there. And sometimes you just have to keep moving on, keep moving forward. Um, and nothing can really do but deal with it as it comes. Um, so the philosophy just lines up nicely with my own personal philosophy, but also feels like a, a really heartwarming sentiment to his dad. Yeah. Um, and some of the guitar work around two minutes and 50 seconds sounded almost Beatles-esque. I've been listening to a lot of Beatles lately. Um, so, Stop it. Uh, dude, they, uh, they got their Revolver album remastered. Yeah, I heard. Um, But this song also, I'm noticing a trend in how he sings the songs on this Mm -hmm. album particularly. The melody of the music is still there. Um, Like, it still sounds like Jason singing, but the lyrics themselves are sang with a flatter cadence, if that makes sense. Yes, and that's why I said I wish this would have been a collab with Terry because it's reminiscent of the songs of the Hard album um, that Jams did. It's the same thing. It's, I mean, I know Terry did more of a talking version of it, but, but but it has the same effect that you just uh, described. What it reminds me of, honestly, and this would have been right around the time of him collaborating with him. This reminds me a lot of how Dave Bazan's sings. True. Dave Bazan has that very flat cadence when he sings because he's trying to fit as many lyrics as possible inside his syllables. Um, and, I, and I love when they collab. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> but that's the trend I'm noticing up to this point, and I'll, I'll hit it later. But I, I still like this song a lot, even though I'm noticing the trend of the, the vocal – melodies aren't quite coming out the same as past Starfire albums. Yeah. And it's a bit dull almost. Yeah. Alright, so Aaron, tell me about the Red Tide. Oh boy. Well, let me just hit on something you just said too. Like, if it's amazing. Silver, the Silver album to this, there's nothing. Not even like, if you if you had took somebody and you had a time machine and you took back this album without them knowing and played this for them at the so there's nothing that would have made them think that this is the same guy, right? There's nothing. The vo- he sings, the vocals are different, the guitar work, everything's different. Like, there's literally nothing that's similar, right? I mean, I think it's still... it. Okay, we've been doing this so long now. Mm-hmm. Like, we're yeah. on our third. 
we've been yeah. doing this so long now that it just sounds like Jason Martin to me. Like he he has a very distinct. I know. I know that's what I'm saying. I know he but, does, but if if you went just gold and then this album, no way. Maybe. I don't know. Because <laughs> there's a progression. Because, yeah, we're used – he's built up to this. We've heard the progression. So it makes sense to us. If you didn't hear the progression, no way. Anyway, so that's, that's what I want to say. So red tie. Let me just say number one favorite song on this album. Um, this could be a song. Psalm Flyer 59, and I'll mention it. There's a couple songs. With the repetition of the lyrics and the crying out to God, so I fold, so he says, so I fold my hands and I pray. The streets of gold, the pearly gates. The doctor says it don't look good, and we all cried in the waiting room. There's peace to come. It won't be long. Trees of gold, eternal song. I close my eyes and then I pray. The streets of gold, the pearly gates. If that's not a song, I don't know what it is. And then David, King David's always talking about how terrible he was, you know, and then the last verse, Jason's talking about how he's the evil son and all this stuff and, you know, being super emo. Um, but it just sounds like Jason's struggling with some depression. Um, uh, I mean, well, grief, I guess is a better word. Just, um, struggling with some grief, you know, obviously losing his dad. I mean, let's take a rocket scientist to figure out what this song's about. Um, and, you know, it's, it's brutal. And that you know, in the waiting room we cried because in twenty twelve when this album came out, my dad died too. At the time I didn't know this album existed and it wasn't until, you know, years later when I put it on and I hit listened to the song. The song crushes me because I know what that's like, man. Just wait, you're just in the waiting room. The doctor's coming out and just every time they come out it's just worse, worse, worse. And then it's awful. Um, the bass in this song is amazing throughout. Um, Jason's lyrics are great throughout the album, um, but I like them the best here. I love how musically the band um, combines indie, electronic, and like country musical elements throughout. But here, they it's really good. And the driving beat of the drums um, here, Trey Manning really drives home the urgency of this song that's expressing the lyrics. And then that trumpet at the end of the song. It's like a trumpet, you know, when he's, this is a song about his dad going home. And then that trumpet at the end sounds like he's been trumpeted at home. It crushes me every time I hear it. So good. Um, it's beautiful. Four stars. What do you got, Sam? Um, man, I, I was doing a I was doing a very similar reading on this song, um, but um, I, I will lighten the mood with a uh, random thing I found. So I, I listen to all, all all my stuff on Apple Music unless I physically own the album, which is very rare with Starfire because there's not a lot of them physically out there. And for some reason, this song was credited to the members of Green Day. And I'm like, what? What? So I I cannot find any information back up that Billy You're Bourne, talking about just a random message. That's just a random clerical error, clearly. Well, I mean, so I, I could not find any evidence that Billy Joel Armstrong ever collaborated with Jason Martin. Though that would be interesting. I'm, 
It did never happen. I think we can safely on record say it never happened. It's a clerical error. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a typo on where it's from, but I just found that hilarious. And before you continue, since you just lighten up and bring it back down a notch, <laughs> yin and yang here. The reason why I opened the episode with the the lyric from this song is to like, this is Jason's, I think, like I said, most open, honest, non-cryptic, accessible lyric that he's ever done. And I think that, you know, I want to leave with that because, I mean, the vibe of this album, there's like no hope. Well, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say there's no hope. These are all set. These are, I wouldn't call them upbeat workout songs. These are depressing songs, all of them. And so I just wanted to convey the mood of that because, I mean, that's what this album is. Go ahead, Sam. Well, um, we're flipping to the B side of the album. Like, this is mm-hmm. Pick It Up. Yep. Flip. It is. Um, it's the first song on the B side of the record. Yep. <laughs> this feels like classic Starflyer 59, particularly, of, okay, I shouldn't say classic, but My Island, The Changing of Guard Air, this feels like that air of Starflyer. Um, it's like it's more punky sounding and like Jason tends to have at least one kind of punky song in every album I feel like um and of course like you said coming off of Father John I assume this is about Jason's experience as his dad died at the hospital and I really appreciate there's no moral lesson given here it's just a glimpse into someone dealing with grief like, um, I feel like that's where a lot of, and I know Jason probably never considered himself a Christian artist, quote unquote, but a lot of Christian music fails because it's trying to give a moral lesson and it feels like it has to every time, as opposed to just being Amen. like, here's what, here's what I'm feeling right now. No, no agenda, nothing. Just here's what's going on at the moment. There's um, a reason why the Psalms endear because most of the Psalms, don't have any resolution. The only resolution is usually I'll wait on the Lord, I'll trust in the Lord. There, there's like no moral that's gleaned. The songs are just like I'm suffering. Help. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I I wonder if maybe the more punk beat is even used to demonstrate the kind of anger you feel in moments like this. Like bad stuff happens. People around you die, and yes, you're sad. Um, but sometimes you get angry, and I, I saw, like, this one therapist, he said, um, I wasn't seeing I, someone I saw on YouTube, he you, said... You um, probably need to see one, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> um, He said, whenever you're feeling anger, it's always masking another emotion. Anger is never just anger. And um, I wonder, you know, if the, the more punk beat of this song could be kind of showing the anger he's feeling at the the grief of the moment so um, definitely a very good song i think you know the piggyback on that i don't think that it's anger is always masking something i just think that most people aren't taught to identify or know what they're feeling um so whatever they're feeling whether it be um anxiety depression um you know unrealized goals they express this anger because it's the mo- one of the most basic um, emotions. And most people think that, you know, most depressed people, you know, they're sad and mopey, which is true. But the number one symptom of depression is anger because when you're feeling like you're not hurt or unvalidated or whatever, that makes you angry. Because if you don't know those feelings, you know anger. That's what I, So that's probably what's going on. <laughs> 
because grief doesn't have to be anger. Because like when I lost my daughter, I felt sad. I knew grief at that time. I knew I knew I was just sad because I had lost. It didn't make me angry because you know this is I knew this is what happens in my child. I, I was able to experience grief and not have to worry about the anger. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, We're deep on this album, man. I'm just this is exactly. not silver. <laughs> this is the um, Inside Out of Starfire. Album. <laughs> it is, ah, I love that movie. <laughs> Look, I don't even like animated movies. This is my favorite movie all the time. It's great. It's the cheapest therapy session you'll go to in your life. Go watch it if you haven't <laughs> seen it. All right. You don't read it, Ty, um, Sam? Yeah. Can I talk about Through My Door? Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. This is my favorite al- song on the album. <laughs> Bless your heart. Times 59. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Convince so, me. Convince me. <laughs> I always okay. There's a few different things I'm gonna call out in this album. One, um, I you know how I love calling out trilogies, right? Yeah. So this yep, is yep. tracks five through seven, the John trilogy. That's what I'm calling it. Psalms uh, trilogy. Psalms trilogy. <laughs> Psalms. Oh, actually, there's more of a. It's more than that. I'm sorry. So take that off. The, but go ahead. <laughs> well, like I feel like tracks five, six, and seven very yeah. specifically deal with like his dad right before he died, as he's dying, and then dealing with the aftermath of it. I feel like all these songs are dealing with it. But go ahead. <laughs> uh, like this just feels like, especially after Red Tide, where like he's sitting in the hospital room. Mm-hmm. You know, waiting for his dad to die, die. His dad just died, and now he's like, "How do I move forward?" Uh, yeah. And this song is a little bit of that resolution we talked about that doesn't always come. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, we'll get to the resolution in a minute. But the song also does a couple other things other than just being the last stop in a trilogy for me. Um, one, it reminds me of something musically that you would have heard on old. Mm-hmm. Um, it just reminded me a lot of the old album and the chorus instantly brings to my mind at least the imagery of the old album art which is just a, a guy standing in front of a door with light coming in mm-hmm. um, second we had the lyrics I'm the evil one sometimes the evil son um, and I think this could possibly be a reference to the good son from talking voice versus singing voice which um, I I may be digging too much, too deep into that, but I like the idea that this song is kind of a reference to past albums. Um, and third or fourth, if you count the the trilogy bit, I love how even in the darkest hour, light goes through my door, suggesting that it's never all lost. Even in your darkest hour, when you feel like you've lost it all. You know, you're, you're, you're done. You have nothing left. There's always a light there just like peeking through the door. Um, and I think, you know, that light is always there, rather we choose to see it or not. There's always mm. hope. Um, there's a line I love in, uh, Brave Saint Saturn, the light of things hoped for. They have a little interlogue prior to their last song in that album that says the bravest thing of all is hope. Mm. And, um, that's from a Doctor Who episode too, I believe. <laughs> probably. 
Um, so man, yeah, just this song, I, especially coming off of Father John and especially Red Tide, it, you need that uplifting. And I feel like this song does it so well. And it just, it's such a catchy chorus too. And just, I love it. Such a good song. Well, Sam, you didn't convince me, but I hear all that. And I just noticed, too, on the cover of I Am ACO, the picture um, behind Jason's dad, I'm, like I said, I'm pretty sure that's him. It's cracked. I never noticed that before. I wonder if that's symbolic of anything. You know, his, and, but anyway. Um, so this is another song candidate. Um, Jason go, and, and so in the past song, I said that Jason went emo, talking about how evil he was. Sorry guys, it was this song. Don't kill me. Um, and then the last song, the last verse, you know, there was a time I felt like I had morals, but I don't know how to leave the light on anymore. There was a time I felt I had one, but you know, I still believe the light goes through my door. A light goes through my door. It sounds like he's struggling with like a combination of worry, unrealized goals, um, Depression, you know, worry, you know, basically just being a dad slash husband, you know, and like I said, you know, I'm there and like you, you feel like you have morals and it's like, you know, like, oh man, I love my kids. I would never do anything to hurt them. And then you yell at them for the stupidest thing. You're like, oh my gosh, like Jesus, what's wrong with me? And then you feel like there's a time you won, like in like I'm sure in his professional career, and just like in mine, like okay, I got this job, we're doing this about, and and you know we're on track, and then like you said, now here's another storm. It's like oh god, here we go again. Um, but yeah, you know, like you said, you know, hope springs eternal, and without hope we perish, as Ronnie Martin said. Um, and so yeah, I mean, I I think even like I think all these songs are uplifting, even the red red tide. Because we still, I mean, even I don't believe in, you know, um, Christianity anymore. But the idea that even in death, if you've lived the best life you could, if you put enough love out there, you've done all you can, even in the end, that's enough. The struggle to make the world better, to make it more equitable for everybody, that's enough. And so that hope that the world's going to be better when you're gone, you know, because we're all going to die, I still think that's hopeful. So, I mean, all those songs are, like, very so sobering and intense. I don't think they're all like totally like depressing. I think there's still elements of hope in it, which is really hard to do. Dave Bazan takes it's putting less than from Jason because David definitely struggles with that. <laughs> Although I love Dave Bazan, but woo baby, <laughs> some darkness there. Um, this is my ninth favorite song overall. Sorry, Sam, you still love me though, right? It's all good. It's all good. This is uh, a solid song well, though. I will say it's it, it's um all the extra percussion. And the keys throughout keeps this song from sounding too humdrum, like I'm a CL, the opening track. Um, but yeah, it's my favorite song, Two Stars. Go ahead, Sam. Well, let's talk about then um, my least favorite song. I, I don't know if it's my least. That's harsh. Um, no, doesn't stick out to me, though. Um, least is fine. I'm, the first song's my least favorite. Pot of Gold. Um, okay, first off, the things that are good about it. I like the xylophone at the beginning. His little, little xylophone. Ding, 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 ding. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of, I just got done talking about, you know, how the last song maybe references old. Um, that album was all about him freaking out about turning 30, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm turning 30, I'm going to die of my second heart attack now. It's all over. <laughs> 
ten years later, <laughs> he's like, well, I was wrong. <laughs> he's like, a ten years later. Of you. <laughs> <laughs> ten years later, he's like, well, I'm turning forty. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna accept it and kind of roll with it. <laughs> I have no idea what the future holds, and I, I guess I'll deal with that. Like he just he he went from like freaking out about dying to like yeah I'll, I'll I'll accept it I don't care anymore. He's like an HD. He's like whatever, whatever it doesn't matter. He's like an HD forty year old. <laughs> um, sadly though, the music of this song falls into that dreaded no man's land of tracks just. Just past the middle of the album, we've talked about this to death. Yeah. This song hits that for me. I, I barely remember the music outside of the xylophone beginning. Like it just, it's just kind of dull and doesn't stick with me at all. Okay, okay. Well, for me, it's my fifth favorite song. So top half of this album. Um, yet another song. I mean, again, the you. I'm, I'm with you with that, but I mean, these lyrics, I mean, this could, this could be easily be a song. Um, it's about holding on to hope and faith during the daily grind of life. You know, like, life gets hard. It's hard to, it's hard to, you know, the line. I can't always pretend that all things never end. We'll find our own pots of gold where the rainbow ends. We'll find home. Um, it's just like, you know, things do end. Everything does. And you, can't always pretend that way. Like, you know, when you're in the hospital waiting room and your dad's dying, you know, you can't pretend that things don't end. But that's not the end. You know, and 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 we and it's not just we talk about the streams of that, but there's tons of grief on our in our daily life. You know, like you your child wakes you up too early before you were supposed to wake up. Now that's the end of the sleep that you needed or you burn dinner and now the end, you know, now, you know, the end of, you know, thinking that you're about to have a nice meal is gone or, you know, you get laid off at work or, you know, it's just so much grief and loss that happened in daily life. Um, but at the same time, those laws, those losses aren't the only thing in life. There's also birth. There's new jobs, there's new opportunities, and that's how I see the, you know, the song saying, like, you know, the daily grind of life is, it sucks, but you know, that's not all there is. And it's a nice callback to Father John when he says, you know, in Father John, he would ask his father for advice, like you, and like you said, the sun, there's always a storm. Here, he realizes, no one can tell you the future. As humans, we are not afforded the, the, the luxury of knowing the future. I know, in, and I know in religion, when you have prophets and all these people claiming to know the future and these psychics and everything, no one knows. No one knows. We're just guessing. But what we do know is there will be a storm. It will pass. And if you are full of love and living in love and hold on to hope, you will be fine. And that, to me, is what the message of this song is. That's the pot of gold. The pot of gold to me is the, 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 the faith and hope. The guitar plucking or the arpeggio, maybe it's a xylophone that you, that you mentioned that was throughout the song. It's very beautiful. Yeah, it's like a, it's a nice touch and helps make the song sound kind of like chamber or classical music. Um, and I don't know if I heard that before, but you know, the last, you know, when I was doing the research for this, this, this week, I was like, wow, I've never heard that before. And I love how the tempo of the song is, 
it, it just progresses so naturally that it doesn't sound like it's going from slow to fast unless you're like really paying attention. Like it does change tempo. And that was really interesting to me. Um, three stars overall. Um, yeah. That's all I got to say about that. You want me to take I feel uh, black? Sure. This is not even debatable. This is the most unfortunate Starfire song title. When I saw this, I was like, I feel black. I was like, Jason. <laughs> What's this song going to be about? What do you mean you feel black? Please do not. Make <laughs> me have to not be a Star 559 fan ever again because you're gonna say something crazy, but he doesn't. Um, this song sounds like the Cliff Note version of the Book of Job. Um, it's my sixth favorite song here. Um, it just, you know, it's just a song about somebody who feels like, you know, like, you know, life's turned against them or their friends, people close to them. They feel like they're just, they just dissect themselves to protect themselves. Um, I love the bouncy drums and how it um, plays with the bass. Um, makes the sound so catchy. Some of Jason's best guitar work on the sounds here in the <clears throat> in the keys have some of that swift magic. So I don't know if it was Jason or T.W. Walsh who did it, but I love the keys here. Um, but I still I hate the title. <laughs> it's a playfully dark song. Um, his vocals are tongue-in-cheek perfection. The way he sings the song, you can tell he's just, like, being dramatic. Like, he doesn't really feel like this. He's just, you know, leaning into a character. Three stars. What do you think, Sam? Um, so, once again, some great drumming and bass work. I'm mm-hmm. really appreciative. I feel like after three albums together... Stephen Dale in particular is like just really grooving with Jason where he's going. Yeah. Um, the guitar reminds me a lot of like late fifties, early sixties beach song. I agree. That's why it's so catchy. <laughs> but if this song is a beach song, it reminds me of like the gloomy, rain soaked beaches we found way back on Silver. Yes. But, like it's it's not it's not a happy sunny beach. It's it's a it's a rainy, cold no, it just turned cloudy. It hasn't rained. It just turned cloudy. <laughs> um, and we have this like weird disconnected shift in the chorus from like a really peppy verse, yeah, to like a really like downtrodden chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting choice, but it feels disconnected somehow. Mm-hmm. Like that that disconnect is quite doing it for me. Um. As for the lyrics, though, I didn't quite get to Book of Job like you were. I was just saying, you know, we all have those days and we just want to hide away after a really dumb. Like, when I saw the, the title, I Feel Black, I was thinking, like, I'm black and blue. Like, I've been beaten up. Um, you know, um, by, okay. By my... I <laughs> okay, I get that. Okay, I didn't get that at all. But, I mean, as far as Book of Job, where his friends persecuted him, thinking he sins or something that's what and in the song he says i feel justified in what i'm doing that's what i I meant by the book of job okay i got you so once kind of like pot gold i'm not quite feeling this one it's a shame because it's the penultimate track um so let's let's go into a a song i do like better my light Mm, interesting um final track on this on the album here 
mm-hmm. the closer. So the the opening was a bit rough. Let's see if we can nail that closer. Because most are <laughs> I I don't think we've had a Starfire album yet miss the closer. Yeah, yeah. You mean miss the uh, opener? <laughs> no, miss the closer. Um, your company is the perfect. Don't make me body slam me. Don't make me body slam you. I will body slam you. <laughs> Um, Should have so, been on the B side. <laughs> I can't say we've ever had finger snaps in a Starfire song before. Um, so that's an interesting choice. It almost sounds like something being performed in a lounge. And oh my goodness, it's three Starfire Start Fifty Nine. I think we had the finger snaps in the Fashion Focusing songs. I think. I don't remember hearing them any. Okay, because whenever it's involved, I think there's finger snaps whenever he's involved. <laughs> this just kind of gave, gave me some of those lounge vibes, though. Yeah. Fear back and she's the queen. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, some lounge flyer. It's been too long. Where's my full-length lounge flyer album? Yeah. Um, okay, sincerely, the, the music doesn't sound that different from other songs in the album. Um. I will say the little guitar lick around two minutes and 30-ish seconds is a nice mm-hmm. treat. Um, nice guitar lick we get there. Um, but the music, other than sounding slightly loungy, don't stand out. The music doesn't stand out too excessively much. Um, the lyrics seem to talk about, once again, his dad, um, an obvious reoccurring. That's what this whole album's about. Um, and I haven't lost a parent yet. But I have no doubt, you know, when that happens. It's brutal, dude. It's brutal. It's brutal, man. (laughs) These will be the feelings I'll be feeling, I'm sure. Um, I especially like the bit about what the song kind of points to, and I love this. I still have other people in my life. I have friends. I have a support group. They're alive. But at the moment, this doesn't matter because I miss my dad. And I think that's just such an interesting sentiment to go out on of, you know, right now life sucks and I don't care that I have people around me. I don't care that I have a loving wife. I'm just hurting and I just want to sit in my pain for a minute and let, I want to feel it before I move on. Um, and you know, the, the my light portion, I think it's, it's mainly just referring to his dad, though obviously, um, you could be pointing to God as well as my light. Um, so that one's a bit open interpretation, but not the strongest closer we've ever had, but I don't think it's a bad closer either. Okay. All right. Well, this is my seventh favorite song on this um, album, and I'm with you. Either the song's about a song about missing his father or wanting to finally be with God. Or both. It could be both, I guess. And and I didn't catch that. I, I like what you said, that Yes, this sucks, and but I, I can't forget these other relationships because what happens in grief, especially like in a situation like when like a parent loses one kid and they just get so lost in the grief that they forget their other kid or kids. It's like, yeah, okay, you you can grieve that kid, but what about the other ones? You know, let can't those be the ties that bind instead of this grief? You know, um, so yeah, you know, I didn't think about that. I agree with that completely, and I think we all can identify with the words in the course. Um, you know, my heart, my light is barely on. The bright is getting dim. Like, there's times, and I mean, you know, Sam, it will happen at some point when, when grief hits you like a fucking hurricane. Um, and it's hard to keep that light on. 
And yeah, but no matter how, when you have that hope in life, you know, like even like I said, even I'm not, I don't believe in the faith anymore. I still have that light of hope and peace and love and grace that I don't think will ever be knocked out. Like, and it's comforting in that time, even though when it's dark, you you can still feel like, okay, this sucks. Like when I lost my daughter and even though it was the darkest time, I never felt like I was not, I was at a place where I couldn't return. That dim light, you know, will hold you on. And then like, again, there's another song, Psalm Flyer 59. Somebody, some praise, praise and worship leaders out there, you know, transcribe these into praise and worship songs. Please do, because whatever you're listening to now is not going to be as good as this. Um, and I think this is an upbeat closer. Because even though all the rest of the songs have been, well, they all, like I said, have melancholy, I guess it's, but musically, um, it's um, more upbeat. Um, I get island vibes from this tune, from this song. Um, and I'm glad, you know, most of the music here was up, was mid tempo, down tempo, moody music. Um, but this, this is a good album closer. It's not one, it's not the best. Um, I think the Days of Lament is probably the best closer. But it's definitely better than your company by leaps and bounds. Um, let's see. Got some chicken scratch guitar in the background um, on the song. I was like, okay, I hear that. It's a dope song. And I think it's a nice way to end this album. Um. Okay, so my final thoughts on this, this this album is just a giant expansion on the song Magic from Dial M. <laughs> um, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, Sam. <laughs> it's, just, it's just ten songs. Magic. Uh, so we get a whole entire album of Jason dealing with the grief of losing his dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a fine addition to Starfire's indie rock catalog. Mm-hmm. But the production is throwing me off bad. Like, everything mm-hmm. sounds so flat. I don't know if it's because mm-hmm. W. Walsh mixed it, maybe. Like, if he mastered it, did he, like, maybe mix everything where all the, everything sounds flat? I don't know. Maybe it's the way Jason's singing everything where he, he just has that very flat vocal cadence. J.R. McNeely mixed it, so maybe it's him. Um, maybe it's a bit too much. Maybe it's leaning a bit too much into like that Dave Bazan slow core. It's like trying yeah. to score album without yeah. being a slow core album. Yeah, uh, that yeah, that's what I'm. That's my thoughts. I'm, that's what I was thinking too. Because like you said, him and David were like collaborating a lot too, and I think maybe the, the Bazan influence was predominant. But go ahead. Um. So the production just seems to be missing a little punch that mm. Jason normally has. I don't know if it's maybe because he moved away from Tooth and Nail Records. Like, does someone over there, like, maybe give his albums a once-over to, like, sparkle them up a little bit, and he's missing that? I don't know. Um, I, I can't really say for sure, but that doesn't take away from some still decent melodies. Like, we still get some good melodies here. And the lyrics are super touching. Um, so, like, I think the lyrics are definitely the strong suit here. Kind of like the last album, Changing a Guard. 
the lyrics are stronger than the music once again. Um, so I give the music a 1.5, mainly because the productions really throw me off bad. I still like songs on here, like I like uh, Bicycle, I like um, Light Through the Door, I like Red Tide. Father John, Red Tide, still some good songs here. Um, the lyrics, I give a 2.5 though. Like, these are some good lyrics. Really good lyrics. Um, overall, I give this a two. Like, it's just a, it's just a barely above a, a C average, I think. Um, so total, I give it a six out of nine. Like, it's, it's, I don't know. Maybe if I listen to it more, I'll feel less about it. But right now, I feel like it's, you know, not quite as good as like My Island, but maybe better than Portuguese Blues is what I'm thinking. <laughs> well, I think um, Change of the Guard, the music was equally as good as the lyrics. And so, yeah, and like I said, beginning on this album, it's so fortunate because um, these are really good lyrics. And I don't know what it is either. Maybe this is the first time Jason, because he self-released this, like I said, to Kickstarter. It was sold through Dave Bazan's Undertow. And you mentioned first time I listened to now. Who knows what it is? Um, maybe his songs he wrote just went that strong. I mean, even though they're, you know, there's some... There's only like two songs that are skippable to me in my, uh, well, one, I am in C. I mean, I guess it's not even skippable. It's like, like you said, like some songs in the album, it's like, oh, like when I was listening to it, I was like, oh yeah, it's that song. Like, like if I just picked up this album and looked at the track listing, like there's only a few songs I can like sing in my head. The rest are like, I have to listen to because they're kind of forgettable, you know? Excuse me. And so, yeah. So with that said, I give the music a one. I think it's the first time I probably did that. Um, lyrics, I give a three because, and I think, Sam, you did give it two and a half. When you experience a, a huge grief, you'll bump it up to a three. Um, I mean, it's they're just so spot on. Um, or become a father, I think, because um, it's, you know, or own a business where people depend upon it. Um, it'll, I don't know how many albums are out there that are saying about people who are struggling to get their employees. <laughs> I don't, I, that's probably a very niche market for songs. Um, but then overall, too, like 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 you said, the production. I don't think it really hope like like even like we talk about even the last Laurel. It was so weird and quirky that it didn't really like, sound like it was like in a time. This album sounds dated, even though it was like in 2012. Whereas like. Americana or silver or freaking old sounds newer than this, you know. So I give that a one. So overall, I think this, this, I think he was going for vintage production on this. Yeah, but he didn't lean enough into it. Like if you want to go vintage, like make it sound like the Beach Boys and the Beatles. This sounds like or go really acoustic. Yeah, like make it sound hardcore vintage, and it just exactly it, it sounded. It sounds less vintage and more cheap. Is that the word? No, like more. I don't know, but whatever. And yeah, we're not feeling any of this. So one, one musically, three for lyrics, and one for like overall, like sans test time. So I give this like a five. That might be the lowest I've given a Starfire album. And like I said, had this been a side project with Terry Taylor, they like work together. I think this, this the, the the potential there for this to be like an eight or a nine easily. But I think if you had this some is all there is. We get. I think you're yeah. Right. I think More even than... if like someone would come in and remaster this album, 
it would maybe do it some favors. Like, uh, like uh, kind of like I was just talking about the Beatles. Um, George Martin, oh, who served all the Beatles, his son has been going in and remastering the albums and just like punching them up, and making them sound better. And I, I think you know something like that could really benefit this album. If you put lipstick on a pig, it's still a Beatles album. <laughs> it's good stuff. It's good stuff. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. But anyway, so yeah. So that's I am a CEO 2012 or 13, depending on which version you have. <laughs> that, that's the sum, folks. Thank you so much for listening. We're going to keep trucking along. Um, We're almost at the end. We're almost at the end of Starflyer, so um, we definitely have some fun projects in the. I think we want to do after Starflyer, but then yeah. again, you know, with our luck, Jason's going to drop like five more albums by next year, so you never know. And it doesn't matter. Like the next episode, and then we're just going to cover the reissue of the Limp Biscuit, um, Dogfish Water, whatever, Chocolate Starfish, whatever album. It's going to be great. <laughs> so, as always, uh, my name is Samuel. And I'm Aaron. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it, guys. Bye. As always, this has been a Brothers King Media production.